Welcome to the Halftime Huddle, a podcast for the gutsy women making Aussie sport their own. I'm Sarah. And I'm Taylor. And today we are joined by professional tennis player Zoe Hives. In 2019, she climbed up the world rankings until she unfortunately was diagnosed with glandular fever, which has kept her sidelined ever since. She's finally back out on the training court and is on the road to full health and fitness. All right, Zoe, well, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. Let's start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Oh, what do you want to know? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I've never had that. <laughs> that very vague oh, question. Back at us before. Uh, well, just tell us who uh, you are. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm a professional tennis player. I'm from country Victoria near Ballarat, 23 years old. Yeah, don't know where else to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 2018, you had a breakthrough appearance at the Australian Open. You made it to the second round. Can you take us through that experience? Uh, I think it was 2019. Oh, 2019. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, ever. Um, I still kind of can't believe that it all happened. Yeah, it was just an unbelievable experience. And I still watch back, or like my coach will show me match point again and um, of the first round. And it still gives me like goosebumps to watch it. So yeah, like it just gives me motivation to just keep working hard and to get back into that uh, situation again. Did you feel the pressure of playing at your home Grand Slam and receiving all of that media attention? Uh, not really. I, um, the year before I played uh, doubles um, main draw and I really struggled with that. Like I got so nervous. I was just like, such a big occasion. Um, so coming into last year's Aussie Open, I did a lot of mindset work with my coach and like just really focused on being mentally prepared for it. So once I won the first round, I kind of just enjoyed the experience and just thought like, I just want to keep enjoying being on court, the media, just, it was, it's so different to anything else I'd ever played. Um, so I was, I was kind of prepared for it, but yeah, it was, it was fun to go through it all, I guess. Yeah. And it was obviously like a dream of yours to play at the Australian Open what was that feeling like after you won the match point of the first round? Could you believe it? <laughs> kind of. I don't know. Like, I got really tight um, in the second set. Uh, at about 4-1 up, I think I was. And I was serving. <laughs> and <laughs> I could barely get a ball in. So once that kind of passed, it was a bit easier um, for the match point. But it was still um, pretty nerve-wracking. And, yeah, I, couldn't really believe that I won when I walked off and all these people wanted my autograph and like it was just yeah unreal yeah and I got so many messages from friends people I hadn't heard of for years and um it was just yeah it was really nice to see so many people watching my match and wanting to get on to me and just yeah talk to me after that and let me know that they're watching it and stuff yeah you must have felt so surreal at that time yeah no definitely and as I said like it's the only experience I've had like that so it's still a bit when I think back, it's definitely my favourite moment of my career so far. Um, and yet, as I said, it really just gives you motivation to hopefully do it again. Well, I bet. And you've credited your rise in the tennis world to your family. And so tennis has been in your family for a long time. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so my mum and dad used to play. Mum played uh, pennant, state pennant, I think it was back then. So yes, um, quite high in Victoria. And she never really got the chance to go further with her tennis. Uh, neither did my dad. He played in country Vic and never really got to pursue it at all. So dad built a court um, before they had kids. 
And yeah, so I just really started down at the court with mum and when I was young, like probably four or something, and it kind of just went from there. And both my parents have been a huge support, but mum comes to quite a lot of the tournaments in Australia and uh, went overseas with me last year a little bit. Um, So they've just been a massive support. Definitely wouldn't have gotten there without them. For those who don't know, like I grew up with Zoe and I remember after the 2019 first round, I saw you in the change rooms and I was just so happy for you because like... It was like a dream come true for you that you well won the first round of a home grand slam. So it was very exciting. But in 2019, you also went on to claim your first doubles WTA title alongside Australian Astra Sharma. You cracked the top 150 in the world, which is a huge achievement. You played for the first time in the qualifications of Wimbledon and the US Open. What was that feeling like to finally get well finally start getting results in a sport you've dedicated your whole life to? Yeah, last year was really interesting for me. In some ways, I'd call it a success. And in others, it wasn't as good as other years I've had. After Aussie, I struggled a little bit with just expectations. And just um, like I'd played Benchich um, in the Hobart International. And just seeing what I have to do to kind of get to that next level and to be able to compete with those players. I was just not stressing out. Stressing out is the wrong word. But I'm like, okay, like I've got a lot to work on. Um, and I kind of went away. I went away a bit from the process and trying to win too much, looking at results. So the next couple of months, I didn't do much at all in singles. Um, and I hadn't gone through that before. Uh, it wasn't until late May or June that I won two single matches in a row for the year, um, which I've never gone through. The doubles was an amazing experience with Astra. And that made that period a bit easier. But on the singles court, I was definitely struggling. And then, yeah, Wimbledon was an amazing experience. It's a bit of a shame you can't go to the main uh, main site and see that. But, yeah, it was great to just be in that environment and to get to play on grass courts because I haven't been able to do that a lot. And then US Tour was actually for me because um, I played pro tours heading into the US qualies and started to turn my tennis around. But that was when I got quite sick with glandular fever which is a whole nother story for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the US was uh, an amazing experience um, to win my first uh, round there in qualies. That was a first for me as well. So I had a lot of firsts last year, but there was a lot of ups and downs. I had some of my absolute highs and some of my lows definitely last year. You've mentioned that you did have some lows, one of them being diagnosed with glandular fever. Talk us through that feeling of finally getting the results and then having a setback like that. Yeah, so I got it the week of uh, Ashland and I made the final there where I had to pull out because I was just too sick. I was, I could, felt like I could barely see straight. So that was tough um, and I struggled through the next few tournaments with glandular fever still just hanging around, just was getting dizzy, fatigued really struggling. Uh, US, it kind of turned around, but then I went to Japan a week after that or so, hot and humid, uh, some really long matches. And against Potapova in my first round, I just, third set started to get really dizzy. I couldn't understand really what was going on. Doctor there didn't understand. For my next match, after I got through that one, I just was no good. Um, Third set again, I was even worse. Um, so that was really hard just because I had no idea what was going on. I thought I'd kind of gotten over it. And then, yeah, I got home and I could barely train, getting dizzy again all the time, fatigued. So I tried to play an ITF in Darwin. And again, first match, about an hour in, just again, 
dizzy, felt like I could barely see the ball, no balance. So that was pretty tough. And yeah, so I got home and we started doing all these tests and it wasn't until November or so that I got the test that I'd had glandular fever, but I was getting no better. Yeah, so it ended up, I ended up with post-viral syndrome. Um, so that's what I've been struggling to get over for all these months. <laughs> yeah, wow. No, that would definitely have been really disheartening. And it would be really scary, especially for you not knowing um, whether you had, like what you had, like what illness you had. Because obviously, like it just came out of nowhere. Uh, what were you feeling like when you played all those tournaments, um, even in Darwin before your test results came back? What was going to your mind? Um, it was just, <laughs> I think it was just pure disappointment. Like I'd struggled so much earlier in the year and I'd finally gotten some good results. Like in Japan, I finally qualified for my first WTA, won my first round um, against Potapova, who was the fourth seed of that tournament. And I felt like I could have gotten through the next match. So it was just like, I just couldn't believe it really. It had been such a big year for me and just to finish like that and not be able to get back on the court. I had my last hit in November, got quite dizzy through that. And still to this day, I actually haven't had a day without some dizziness. Much better, but it's been a very long road. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And you mentioned earlier, just before we started recording, that you're back at training now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> it's so great to be able to get on court again. My first hit, I had to really hold myself back because I just wanted to go for a run around the court like crazy. Um, <laughs> but I still got to watch my intensity. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward. I actually had a hit with someone yesterday, which was my first time doing that. Been able to see my coach a couple of times now. So it's been really good just to get into the swing of it a little bit. Still not back to full training or anything yet, but it's been good just to get back into it. And as you said, like, well, you're still experiencing some of the symptoms, like dizzy, dizzy, tongue-tied, dizziness. <laughs> there we go, I got it. But like, yeah, as you said, glandular fever can take months, um, even years to recover. What have you been doing to get back on track, especially for an elite athlete? Like, this is your career. So, yeah, as I said, I had no idea. I knew I had glandular fever, but I still had no idea why I wasn't getting any better. Um, December was really tough for me because I was actually getting worse. And then the doctor I was seeing, he suggested seeing someone in Melbourne, Dr. Brett. I can't say his last name. Anyway, he suggested him and he works with post-viral and people that have gone through concussions. So I went and saw him and he diagnosed that I had something called POTS, um, which is a post-viral syndrome thing. Um, so that causes dizziness, fatigue. Uh, so saw him and that was when I started to see some results. He got me doing some very simple tests and just trying to make the nervous system work again properly. I, I don't know the science to it all, but there was some interesting tests and just making sure it's all working well. Then I got on the bike a few weeks later. So that was good just to start some exercise again, even though I started at like 110 uh, beats per minute max heart rate so it was very slow but yeah that was early January that I first saw him and it took a few months or a couple of months before I could get on court so it was a very long process with daily exercises seeing him every two weeks but it was just great to see that I was getting better that I was able to have a conversation again <laughs> I was able to almost get through a day without a nap yeah it was great just to see those results 
what are your plans now that you've on the full road to health and you're back at training? Well, obviously, um, with the nature of the world at the moment, there's not going to be many international competitions in the foreseeable future. But what are you looking forward to now? I'm really looking forward to getting back into full training. Depending on when tournament gets back, I might get a bit sick of that by the end. But um, that's... Yeah, that's the main thing for me. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting back into competition. I don't know when that'll be. I'm hoping we'll at least get some domestic stuff up. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to get into AMTs again at some stage before international tournaments resume. But just looking forward to being around all the girls again and just being in that environment and just playing some matches again. Yeah, no, it's a, a great environment to be a part of, especially because you're all, well, trying to achieve the same thing, trying to crack the top 100. So it's a great support system. But when the Australian Open rolled around this year, how were you feeling considering the year before was your breakout year? And especially like seeing the girls that you trained with, the girls that you even beat go far in the tournament. What were you feeling? Yeah, it was, it was just hard to see it go by and not be in that environment. I had to make the call in December um, when it just wasn't going anywhere. And yeah, when it came around, I just said to my parents and coach, I'm like, I just can't go down there. I can't be in that environment after last year. So I just stayed away. I, I watched um, watched quite a lot of matches, which was nice, but I just couldn't be in the environment um, of all the people or anything. Just, yeah, just after what I'd gone through, it was great to see some of the... Um, some of the Aussie girls go all right and that um, it's really good just to have such a good group coming through because you've played against them your whole life and you go, if they can do it, I can do it. So it's just great to see everyone going well um, and progressing because it just gives you confidence. Yeah. As a professional athlete battling glandular fever, um, not knowing when you'll be able to compete professionally again, what advice do you have for all those like people out there who want to make it professional but do have an illness? I'd probably say just keep searching. Um, don't give up because at one stage I was a bit, I, I was a bit, just, it just felt hopeless. Like I, I got really quite down because I just couldn't see a way out of it. But I think there are a lot of different professionals out there that um, have all different, yeah, ex- areas of expertise that um, I think if you find the right person, um, you can get through it. I think everything is solvable. Um, you just have to get the right team and people around you. Well, given that the tennis world has kind of stopped due to the virus, as a, like a, a professional tennis player, what do you think is going to happen in terms of like people's ranking? Like when will the season, do you think, will eventually begin? <laughs> That's a million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah, I know it's very uh, loaded, isn't it? <laughs> have you been given like any, well, have you spoken to Tennis Australia about it? like any inside goss that you are able to share? Oh, look, I really don't know what's going to happen. I think TA are going to try and get something together. But again, like who knows what that will look like. Like US and French, I think, still want to go ahead. But uh, yeah, like what behind closed doors or how are we going to all travel there? Like smaller teams. It's just, it's, yeah, I don't think anyone really knows what it looks like. Everyone's trying to come up with something but (laughs) yeah it's a really hard decision to make in whether you are going to travel to another country amid the virus isn't it yeah look I'd be uncomfortable to travel at the moment um but I think if they did something like that they would have a bit of a hub set up so that we wouldn't come into contact with anyone but like it just seems to get everywhere this virus so 
um, yeah, I'd be a bit uncomfortable, but um, if it went ahead, I'm sure, like, yeah, I'd still love to go. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit of a silver lining for you, I suppose, that if you were going to get sick, it was probably almost good timing now that you've got time to sort of properly recover, get back into training and, um, and get yourself sorted. So hopefully by the time that you're back in peak condition, you'd be able to travel overseas again. <laughs> Yeah, of course. That's uh, kind of what my team said. They're just like, there's no rush now. Um, like, I really am taking it quite, not slowly, I'm doing it at a decent pace, but there is no rush. Um, it's kind of been ideal timing. I would have been pretty shattered if I had have done all the training, was finally fit, ready to go, and then this happened. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I am kind of thankful that if it was going to happen, it happened now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But Zoe, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. We really appreciate you taking the time well, to tell us how you're going, how you're feeling, and we wish you the speediest recovery as possible. And hopefully we'll be able to see you out on the court later this year. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to Halftime Huddle. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out our others and don't forget to subscribe, like, and rate us.